Hello, and welcome to the Westside Church's special podcast. I invite you to open your Bibles with me, if you will, to the book of Psalms. Back to Psalm 148, where we will be reading together in just a few moments. And while you're turning back there, let me say thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. And thank you for being here with so many others who love the Lord this evening. It has already been encouraging. There's a part of me that would love just to keep singing right along with you. But it is my privilege to ask you to open your Bibles back to the book of Psalms where we will be reading together in just a moment. I want you to think this evening about how many things you have seen throughout the day that no one 2,000 years ago would have seen. In fact, if you were able to bring someone from 2,000 years ago to right here in this part of the world, this very evening their minds would be blown by what we have seen all around us today. Highways, skyscrapers, smartphones, Air conditioning, aren't we thankful for that this evening? There are are many things that we see all around us today that we very easily take for granted that people 2,000 years ago, they wouldn't even know what some of these things are. But I also want you to think with me this evening about how many things we very easily pass by day after day after day that people 2,000 years ago would readily recognize. Clouds in the sky, birds flying amongst those clouds in the sky, flowers, trees. Those are the sorts of things that so often the master teacher used to teach the greatest lessons of all, lessons that are timeless. Doesn't matter where you are in the world or when you were born or what language you speak, when we read about seed in various kinds of soils or we listen to Jesus challenge us to lift up our eyes and and look at the birds that are flying in the sky and look at the, the flowers that are growing wild in the fields around us. And, and He reminds us who created those things and who is taking care of those things. Trees are all over the Bible. In fact, in many ways, the Bible is a story all about trees. If, if you understand the trees in the Bible, from a, a tree in a garden to a tree on a hill of death to a tree in a heavenly city, then you are well on your way to understanding what this big book that we call the Bible is, is really all about. But this evening, I'd I'd like to follow the Bible's lead in making that really 
personal. Hopefully a, a way of opening up this lectureship for all of us this weekend. Over and over again, we hear God encouraging us, challenging us, reminding us to be like trees. In fact, after human beings, trees are mentioned more than any other living thing in the Bible. And so, when God encourages us and uses things that are all around us, things that we very easily drive by or walk by and, and don't think a lot about, when He encourages us to be like trees... Why is that? If your Bible is open there to Psalm 148, there are a wide variety of answers that we could give to that. We'll, we'll offer just a few this evening. Trees praise God. This is that psalm where all sorts of aspects of creation are pictured as praising their maker. We hear in verse 5 of Psalm 148, let them praise the name of the Lord for he commanded and they were created. And he looks in all sorts of Various directions in verse 9, he mentions the mountains. Mountains have a maker. Hills have a creator. Right along with fruit trees and all cedars. Eventually he moves to human beings. Human beings that are great in the eyes of society and everyday human beings like you and me. But by the time he is done in Psalm 148 and verse 13, the anthem is, Whomever or whatever you are, let them praise the name of the Lord. Those birds that we don't pay much attention to that have been flying today have been praising the Lord in that they have done that what they were created to do. Trees praise their Maker and oftentimes our Creator points us to these things that have been for thousands and thousands of years and He nudges us and says, slow down long enough to think about that and be like that. You go with me to the Gospel of Matthew in your Bible. Turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. Trees turn and they grow toward the light. In fact, we've got a, a word that describes this phenomena that scientists noticed a long time ago. Maybe you had a, a, an elementary school experiment like I did where it, your teacher sent you home with two little cups full of dirt and there were two little plants in those cups of dirt and your elementary school teacher told you, I want you to take one of these and put it in the windowsill. Make sure to give it a little bit of water and just watch what happens. But then they also had you take one and put it back in the back of a dark closet. And you know what happens, right? You put one there with a little bit of water and plenty of light and that grows to be a, a happy little second or third grade 
science experiment, but the one you put back in the very back of a, of a closet doesn't turn out near as happy. And so maybe you've got a, a, a tree in your house that maybe was just a little too far away from a source of light, but given enough time, you might actually watch as it grows and it stretches for that source of life. Listen, this is the created world we live in. This is not an accident. It is not a coincidence. Someone made these things like this. And that someone not only made those things, but he uses those things to challenge us and remind us, I want you to be like that. So if your Bible is open there to Matthew chapter 4, we can see as Matthew reaches back hundreds of years before to a prophecy talking about people that had dwelt in darkness. Matthew 4, 16, and how those people who have been in the dark, now they have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And it is no coincidence that in the very next verse, Matthew describes Jesus as preaching a very specific message. Repent. Turn. It is as if you have been in the dark, back in the corner of a dark closet. Don't stay there. Turn toward the light. Because the light of the world has come. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or we go back to the Old Testament, this time the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12. There are lots of reasons perhaps why God would call us to be like trees. We know that trees, if they're going to survive and flourish, they've got to put down roots. And I want you to notice how the wisest man in the world uses this very ordinary idea. I mean, we walk all over them. Sometimes we're thankful for them in storms. Sometimes we're frustrated by them when they're growing into our lawns. Either way, they have a maker. And I want you to notice how that maker uses the everyday, encourages us to slow down, and challenges us be like this. Proverbs 12, verse 3. No one is established by wickedness. Wickedness isn't the way to be stable and steadfast. But the, of all the things he could say next, the root of the righteous will never be moved. Verse 12, whoever is wicked covets the, the spoil of evildoers. They're, they're trying to get the wrong thing. They're, they're yearning for chasing what will not satisfy. But, here it is again, the root of the righteous 
bears fruit. Let me show you one more from the Gospel of Matthew. This time go with me to Matthew chapter 7 as Jesus begins to draw the great Sermon on the Mount to a close. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 16, He talks to us about people that we need to be on guard against. Those who would encourage us to go down the wrong path. Those who would take our eyes off of our Creator and Lord. Uh, those who would compromise the way of the righteous that we just read about. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 16, before Jesus was done, He says, listen, you will recognize them by their... Lots of ways that He could, could end that, right? He, he could have said, you will recognize them by their sermons or their, their, their teachings. You will recognize them by how many people are following behind them. What sort of a crowd they are able to gather as they come into a new city. But of all the ways he could describe this, they're fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree, and you, you, you see at this point, don't you? He's not talking about trees. He's not talking about bark and leaves and, and, and roots. I mean, he's getting us to think about what we see all around us, but he's talking about people. He's talking about human hearts. Every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Is it any wonder then that God calls us to be like trees? I'd love to think with you a little bit more about that for the rest of our time. If you'll go with us to our key text in the book of Ephesians, toward the end of your Bible, Ephesians chapter 3. Maybe the most simple way of summarizing the entire idea is to use a couple of words that we have sung together this evening. Trust. And I want to show you how trust is like our roots system. Trust is where the refreshment and stability of our hearts, not the mirage, not the, the, the empty promises, but the real thing is available. If your Bible is open there to Ephesians 3, I want you to begin reading with me in verse 7 where Paul talks about good news. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach. I want you to hear what he's saying. Something was given to me. News, good news was given to me. It's news that is... For everybody, anybody can get in on this. It was given to me to share, to herald, to, to proclaim. 
to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to, again, I want you to notice how he uses very everyday, ordinary sorts of terms and phrases to talk about something really personal, really important. Young person, older person, there are things that need to be brought to light. Not just in international media or local news, brought to light in your heart. News that though this letter was written 2,000 years ago is just as relevant this evening as it ever has been. In fact, it is the most important news I can ever hear, ever think about, ever meditate upon, ever respond to. Paul's mission was to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. In verse 14 of the chapter, for this reason, he writes, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you. This is personal. Applicable to you. Paul's prayer was, the prayer continues even this evening, that according to the riches of God's glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded. Have you ever thought about your heart having roots? Not the muscle in your chest, but who you really are on the inside. Your inner being, as he described it in verse 16. And I want you to hear how this apostle, led along by the Holy Spirit, his earnest desire is that everyone would enjoy such a deep, rich, life-giving connection with Jesus that they would be rooted and grounded in love. The love that surpasses Knowledge. So let me ask you a really personal question this evening. In what is your heart rooted this evening? In what is your heart grounded? From what is it drawing meaning and purpose and identity and fulfillment and, and satisfaction. 
And I want you to realize how that question is honestly answered determines pretty much everything. Hearts rooted in bitterness. You, you know anybody who is just bitter all the time. Well, why is that? I, I mean, it's not that they just have a, a bad morning, but by the afternoon they're kind of over it and a little more pleasant to be around. The, the sort of person that is just bitter through and through. Why is that? It's because their heart is rooted in bitterness, and a heart rooted in bitterness is going to yield an ugly harvest of wrath and anger and clamor and slander. Hearts rooted in racism don't love the image bearer of God with a different color of skin as they love themselves. Hearts rooted in lust desire impurity and sensuality more than they desire God. Hearts rooted in greed lay up treasure for self on earth at the expense of laying up treasures in heaven. Hearts rooted in envy are haunted by this spirit of discontentment that takes all the blessings around them every single day absolutely for granted. Hearts rooted in jealousy are going to have a terrible struggle rejoicing with those who are rejoicing. They got something that I would like to have. I'm 16, they have a car, I don't have a car, and I allow my heart to be rooted in jealousy, and I'm going to find it mighty hard to rejoice with them. Hearts rooted in strife won't weep with those who are weeping. Instead, they'll find a kind of sick satisfaction that that person that I know is going through such a, a tough time. How does someone get to that point where they are glad bad things are happening to someone else? Well, it all revolves around what the heart is rooted and grounded in. Hearts rooted in enmity are going to struggle to forgive. Never mind how much I've been forgiven, how much grace has been personally extended to me. No, it is darkened hearts rooted in dead soil produce rotten fruit. But I want you to see this evening, that is not your Creator's will for your life. That may be the world around us, but that is not the will of your Creator for your life. No, His will is that you would be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, who you really are on the inside, Christ dwelling in your heart through faith so that you can be filled. Look at the rest of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. His prayer is that you would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I'd suggest to you that's that other key word we've sung together this evening. Obey. Trust. 
in your inner being. Find meaning and purpose. Extend the roots of your heart into this soil that you might find the, the, the refreshment and stability that God talks about all over His Word. And if you will do that, you know, we have in southern Indiana, things are a little greener there than they are here right now. But some are really green. Some lawns are really full because someone is paying for those sprinklers to come on very early in the morning, throughout the morning, and then as the sun sets and, and the more light and the, the, the more water those lawns get, the, the greener they are, the healthier they are, the, the fuller they are. God's will for your life is that you would trust and allow Him to produce that fullness in your life. His will for you is not that you would hang on by the very tips of your fingernails and just scrape by. His desire for you is that you would live a full and fruitful life. This is how. So go with me to the book just before this, the book of Galatians chapter 5. What's this going to look like in, in everyday terms? Well, you remember what we heard Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7. Very foundationally, every healthy tree bears good fruit. And it just so happens that we don't have to speculate as to what that looks like in, in everyday life. No, we've got passages like Galatians 5, 22 and 23 that describe it even in terms of fruit. What does fullness with God dwelling in our hearts through faith look like? On the outside. Well, it, it looks like Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We're not talking about personality traits here. You know, what, what you most naturally from the time you were very young kind of just naturally act like. We're talking about God's will, God's work, in your heart that produces this sort of fruit and fullness, even if it hasn't always come naturally to you. But you remember in Matthew chapter 7 that Jesus also warned us about the diseased tree that bears bad fruit. And again, we don't have to speculate what that looks like. We can say right here in this same chapter, Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. You see, when there's not this strengthened with power through God's Spirit in my inner being, there's not this Christ dwelling in my heart through faith that I might be filled with all the fullness of God who's in charge. Who's at the wheel? 
Whose will reigns? Well, it's me. It's my flesh. And what sort of things come out when I decide I think I know better than God or I want this right now more than I want God? Well, verse 19, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you as I warned you before. You can't live on the throne of your heart and claim Jesus as your king. You can't live as the sovereign Lord of your own heart and inherit the kingdom of the true and rightful king. Which means you have a choice to make. Let's draw to a close this evening in, in the book of Psalms. And as you're turning there to Psalm 1, I, I, I want to remind you that such a simple idea, Jesus Himself, in Mark chapter 7, reminds us where these things come from. If it wasn't clear, hopefully He makes it abundantly clear in Mark chapter 7. From within, verse 21, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. So what does it all depend on in what is my heart rooted and grounded? From what soil am I drawing meaning and purpose and stability and, and hope? From what source am I fueling my spirit? Is it refreshing and life-giving or is it soul-parching? And it just so happens that the very first psalm in Israel's songbook maybe makes it most clear of all. Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Listen, there, there isn't any lectureship that can be held under the sun that will make all of the counsel of all of the wicked go away. But that doesn't mean you have to listen to that counsel. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor, nor stands in the way of sinners. There isn't any number of songs that we can sing this evening that will make the way of sinners evaporate. But that doesn't mean you have to walk in that way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seed of scoffers. There's no prayer that we could offer this evening that makes all of the scoffing on YouTube go away. But that doesn't mean you have to hit play over and over and over again and expose your heart to that 
foolish scoffing. No, there is a better way. 3,000 years after this psalm was written, the better way remains. And it is a battle of delight. In the inner being. Why is this man or this woman blessed? Because he, she delights in the law of the Lord. On His law. Don't we naturally meditate and daydream and think about what we find most delightful? Day and night. That person, he's like a tree. Planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Why? Because of where he is rooted and grounded. In all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked... They're not like a firmly rooted and grounded tree. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. Now, it's not always going to seem like that. In fact, a whole lot of the book of Psalms is a lot of encouragement to realize, listen, it seems like right now the wicked have it good. They do whatever they want to do. They live in whatever way they want to live. They say whatever they want to say. Don't buy it. Give it time and what appears to be the good life. will end up being a tremendous disappointment. Why? Young ladies, you know why. Your boyfriend buys you this beautiful bouquet. It's the most beautiful bouquet of flowers you've ever seen. You wish this beautiful bouquet of flowers would last for the rest of your life. But you give it a little bit of time and the water gets nasty and there's stuff growing down in there and the flowers just look absolutely pitiful because they had the appearance of life for a little while but they're cut off from the source of life. And it's really easy on evenings like this for us to see that about the wicked, isn't it? But before we're, we're done, could I, could I attach a, an even closer thought to leave you with? The Lord knows the way of the righteous. 
The, the righteous gathered together on a, on a Sunday and our hearts are refreshed. We're, we're thrilled. We're reminded that the Lord lives. His wisdom endures. His promises stand. His will sustains. His faithfulness stretches from everlasting to everlasting. His blessings flow like a river through human history. We're reminded of those realities on Sunday as our hearts are stirred with conviction and hope to walk with God throughout the week. And then Monday hits with full force. Alarm clocks, commutes, deadlines, stress, pressure, homework, meetings, obligations, temptations, distractions, misplaced priorities, unplanned hiccups, overscheduled commitments, exhaustion. As Monday afternoon turns to Monday evening, I think to myself, you know, it's been a long day. I need something delightful to occupy myself for the rest of the evening to, to to cope with the craziness and so for the rest of the night I fill my mind with Netflix I, I seek heart refreshment and rest from sports center and social media by Tuesday the life of focused productive, joy-filled commitment that I envisioned on Sunday seems like a distant memory. By Wednesday, my spiritual vitality is withered. And my soul's focus is completely blurred. Why? Because I haven't prayed. Because I haven't read my Bible. I haven't set my mind on, on things above. And I'm shriveled, I'm, I'm heavy, I'm struggling to hope, I'm far from peace, I'm bitter, full of weeds, weary, parched. Why? Well, what have I really delighted in since Sunday? I've meditated on the people and the possessions and the possibilities that my heart finds delightful. Young person, as we enter this weekend, could I plead with you to realize there are so many things more delightful than golf and college football and reality TV and TikTok and Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook, and video games, and YouTube. Maybe Psalm 1 is the spiritual oasis I've needed for a long, long time. Blessed is the man who delights in the Lord. Blessed is the woman who meditates on His good will for her life. That man is like a tree. It says... If that woman has been planted deeply rooted by, by streams of living water, he yields fruit. Her leaves don't wither. The, the deepest needs of his heart are abundantly supplied by an infinite source of love and joy. There are plenty of things in the world she can't control or change. But her soul is settled and satisfied. 
trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. I believe the roots of your heart really matter. And you should too. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be with you this evening. Thanks for listening to the Westside Church of Christ podcast. For more information about Westside, you can connect with us through our website, justchristians.com, and our Facebook page. Our music is from Upbeat.io. That's Upbeat with two P's, U-P-P-B-E-A-T, where creators can get free music. Please share our podcast with others, and we look forward to seeing you again. Yeah.